Welcome to the Leap to Freedom Show, 20 minutes or less of inspiration and practical tools for those that want to take the leap and live a life of freedom and purpose. I am Maria Condi. Let's get started. Hello and welcome everyone. I am so excited this week. We are switching back to doing interview process podcasts this time. And I've been doing the solo for quite a while now and I'm super excited to have guests on the show again. And today is no exception to that. And we have Sarah DeCabinet with us today. And Sarah is a professional opera singer who has turned her obsession with antique diamonds, I love it, who doesn't like a diamond, right? And estate fine jewelry into a multifaceted dual career. The two sides of professional life work together in perfect harmony while performing major roles with opera companies around the country and traveling alongside her opera singing husband, Sarah is able to source inventory from around the world. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. So I would love, you have a very interesting duality there. And yes. I am switching to, you know, the, the, my typical uh, shows would have people that are, you know, business minded and we do the self care, but I'm trying to focus a little bit more on people that are just living life on their terms and living life in joy. And mm-hmm. you are doing all of that. You are, you have a very unique career, dual career. And let's begin by learning a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, I am a professional opera singer, and that's a life that most people know nothing about. It's um, it's a it's an interesting, very different career path, and it requires a lot of school, a lot of training. So um, I had a pretty typical education in opera. I uh, started studying privately at sixteen, and then went to college. Um, I got my undergrad in vocal performance at the Hart School of Music, and then got my master's in vocal performance at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, and then um, started working, uh, doing small roles, um, different apprenticeships, working my way up to build the career. And throughout that entire time, I was really fascinated by entrepreneurship. And in the arts, um, another thing that most people don't know is that if you're a soloist, um, a solo opera singer, you are an independent contractor. So, um, you know, most people ask, do you get hired with a company and travel with the same troupe? No, um, we don't. So if you are a professional chorister, it's a little bit of a different situation where you're an employee of the opera house. But if you're a soloist, you're an employee of yourself. And every, yeah, you're an entrepreneur. And every contract that you do um, is its own contract. It could last for, you know, anywhere from a week to two months or three months, depending on, you know, whether you're doing a ring cycle or something big like that. Mm -hmm. But they're pretty short contracts. And you are in charge of, um, one, making that money last between gigs. <laughs> um, it, you know, your agent will line up auditions, but they don't get you work. You have to get your own work. You're, you know, yeah. you're hunting down leads. You're doing all of the things that, um, that entrepreneurs do. And many people, most people, in order to survive at some point, have a side job, a side hustle, maybe they're temping or they're working in a law office. And I never liked the idea of working for someone else. Um, 
I was fascinated by the idea of applying the skills that I was building as an opera singer entrepreneur, um, applying those skills to other entrepreneurial areas. So um, I have had multiple resale businesses um, in yeah during during my <laughs> during my 33 years of life i um i i flipped houses for a while which was a a big way to jump in that was yeah. <laughs> that, that was a big one yes it was um i i can't say that it was due to any great skill um it was a lot of luck i started doing it with my ex-husband um in 2009 in the bay area so it was like a really lucky bottom of the market thing and i rode the market so i'm not a genius house flipper i just got lucky <laughs> um, but but you know i learned a ton through that and then i did some other um less um, risky things like, you know, like, um, I had some eBay businesses. I had a business with another opera singer where we built a peer to peer marketplace for other opera singers, like an eBay Etsy to, um, buy and sell performance gowns and other oh, wow. like, opera fashions to each other. So this has been a model that I've always really loved. Um, I love vintage fashion. I love fashion in general. I love um, just connecting with people and learning what um, what they love. So it's it's been a model that's been really yeah. interesting to me. Um, but jewelry was always a huge, huge passion for me. And one of those things that I researched like obsessively and never applied those skills to anything. Like mm. I, I think I've been obsessed with antique jewelry for like 10 to 15 years. And up until, you know, the past two years, I never applied those skills to anything besides just dreaming about jewelry and researching jewelry and taking classes and being on forums. So um, when I decided to end my most recent business with, with the opera singing dresses, I, I took the risk and decided, you know, yeah. let's just see what happens. That's a really interesting point because I teach a lot of people how to find their purpose in life. And often it is just, it's what you're truly passionate about. And here's yeah. you know, a great example because most people won't think, well, how do you turn that into a business then, right? Things that you're passionate about and you've been successful at it. And yeah, I'll let you explain your next piece about the vintage jewelry because I mean, you're, the pieces you find are just stunning. Thank you. And I have a question for you. Is that a correlation yeah. to being an opera singer too? Because I mean, you have the beautiful gowns and I mean, you're, you're dressed beautifully for all those <laughs> events. Yeah. Is the jewelry all part of that or is it? I think there, I think a big part, part of it is. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, so much of what we study about and learn about in opera is the history. Yeah. So when was a piece composed? When was its uh, its premiere? Um, what was going on in the world during that time that mm -hmm. um, informed the story? Or what happened at the premiere that was culturally and historically relevant? You know, I mean, there are there are some you know, works of, of classical music that sparked riots because the style yeah. was so revolutionary, you know? So learning about all of those things really 
um, I think that was kind of my gateway into loving antique jewelry, that all of these things also have a story. Um, I'm just fascinated by like during the 1940s, the style was so influenced by World War II. So you have um, rings that look like army tanks. Um, certain metals weren't available. Uh, you couldn't use platinum in jewelry. So we see a lot of gold and also palladium and uh, rose gold was really popular because the alloy was something that was um, you know, easier to make than some other gold alloys. So the, the history has always really captivated me um, as well as the glamour. But I think all jewelry is glamorous, you know? Yeah. I think there's something really special about the history and, you know, holding a piece of the past, appreciating something that generations before you have appreciated in such an intimate way. Um, I think my opera training kind of primed me to just have that like that love for like for yeah. for the past and i'm listening to you and you have so much passion when you talk about it and i love that because it's a really great example of how people can take their passions and make it their life right yeah it doesn't have to be you just like it over here yeah <laughs> i mean it's really funny because you always hear that term like Oh, love what you do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life and in fact it's like do what you love and you won't have any hobbies anymore and you'll only work all day every yeah. day for the rest of your life but at least you're doing something that you love and yeah, yeah I it's it's a blessing and a curse because I don't have any hobbies every time there's something that I love I somehow managed to turn it into a career. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's okay though. That yes. is an entrepreneur though, right? Absolutely. And if that's the case, then you're always living in that space of joy. Yes. Yes. You know, Every day I'm like excited that. to do what yeah. I do. Like I, I really am. Yeah. And then it's not like going into the corporate job sort of thing every day. And, and right. you, you knew that from the beginning, you said that you didn't want to work for somebody else and do that whole no. I don't even, I don't even like having a business partner. I mean, my former business partner is one of my dearest friends and we did amazing things together and we're still really close. But through that process, I learned that I work best on my own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to do that to, to yeah. figure it out, you know? Totally. Totally. Now, there was a couple, uh, there's a note here I wanted to Ah, yes. Your little bit of niche on here. I had in yes. notes. Can you yes. talk about that? That was that was fascinating. Yeah. So um, five years ago, I went through a divorce from my first husband, and um, it was um, a very emotionally abusive, controlling relationship something that I was in for 13 years. So we got together when I was 16 years old and we were together, we were married for five years, but um, together until I was 28. So um, that was, you know, my entire adult life, everything I knew. Um, and I finally got out of that situation at 28 and was faced with the amazing opportunity to re remake my life yeah. um, 
And just the way the timing worked out, it was the first time in my entire life that I had been an independent adult. Like I had gone from college um, where, you know, you think you're independent, but you're not, you're still like your parent, you know, you're yeah. still uh, pretty much under the guardianship of someone else. And then um, into this relationship that wasn't a partnership where I wasn't, in control of my own financial decisions, um, my own, like, I wasn't in charge of my own decisions. So that was really like, entrepreneurship really gave me something to hold on to there because I, um, I was able to prove to myself that all the messaging, all the gaslighting and abusive um, messaging that I had received during the marriage about my ability to provide for myself, my ability to make good financial decisions, my um, my role in the businesses that we ran together. Um, you know, I was I was able to put all of my actual skills into practice and say like, wait a second, you were wrong. I'm actually great with money. I make great decisions. I am capable of providing for myself. So entrepreneurship really um, helped me heal in such a major way from that experience. And then one of the other things that relates directly to my jewelry business is that I um, really missed wearing a ring. So I was just, you know, looking at antique jewelry like I always did. And I fell in love with this amazing dinner ring, which I'm like so bummed that I'm not wearing it right now. I take my jewelry off when I go to sleep and it, it's like the one ring that I forgot to put on, but I'll send you a picture so you can share that. Um, it's a beautiful like Edwardian dinner ring. It's like long on the finger. It doesn't look like an engagement ring. And um, it was the first time that I was like in the position to just make a purchase on my own without asking anyone. And I was like, you know what? Like this is a big purchase, but I can do it. I trust myself to be able to budget, you know, the rest of my life around this purchase. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy it. So I bought this ring for myself and I wear it on my right hand. And um, my colleagues, I went to rehearsal and my colleagues were like, what is that on your hand, Sarah? And the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, it's my divorce ring. And it really like diffused the situation. It gave them like a conversation starter that wasn't like, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? It was more like, oh, you seem really great. Like yeah. you seem like you're celebrating. How are you doing? What are your plans? And it, yeah. it really... Yeah, it changed the conversation around divorce in a way that was more uh, reflective of the joy that I was feeling about my independence and my freedom and my rebirth. Um, so when I started Songbird Sarah Jewelry, I shared that story. And um, it's been wonderful to have women come to me who are going through a similar thing and they wanna celebrate with a divorce ring as well. And I get to reframe that um, time in their life in a way that is hopeful and positive and um, is self-congratulatory because I think, you know, for so many people, it really is um, a triumph and, and a new beginning. And, and even if it is 
a sad time, it's still um, a time of great possibility. Yes. Yes, absolutely. When one door closes, another one opens, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm divorced myself and I wish I would have done a divorce ring for myself. <laughs> yeah, it, it like was really, <laughs> it's never too late. I mean, I do have women who are like, why didn't I think of that? I'm like, you know, it's, it's, you can always celebrate yourself. That's, you absolutely. know, that's the thing. Absolutely. So I yeah. I look at your website once in a while. I keep my eye on things. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, is there any one last little note before we go into a little bit of a question area? A message you'd like to leave with people or? Yeah. Um, yes, I think something interesting about antique jewelry is um, a lot of people think of like one specific era. So I've had people say like, oh, well, I'm a little more minimal in my jewelry. So I don't think that antique jewelry is right for me. Or I don't know that vintage jewelry is right for me. And the thing that I always tell them is that when we talk about estate jewelry, um, within estate jewelry, there's vintage and antique. So estate jewelry is anything that's used. So you could have modern estate jewelry. It was just pre-owned. And then vintage is 20 years or older. And then antique is 100 years or older. So within that like vast range. Oh, I like that vintage range. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, it is weird that like 20 years, like that's. That's not long. The year 2000. Like, I'm yeah. like, oh gosh, that's vintage, isn't it? Technically it is. Yeah. Um, but within that range, there are so many different styles. So someone who is, you know, more into a minimalist style, um, they can find things, yeah, within that entire range. Um, a lot of Art Deco and Edwardian yeah. stuff isn't as um, ornate as we think. Art Deco was really about clean lines and um, you can find beautiful things that are like very chic and, and minimal. So I think that a lot of people have this idea of maybe like, maybe their grandmother was into like really ornate stuff and, and they think, oh, I'm not into that. But um, there is something for every style in the, you know, vast range of time that, <laughs> that has passed. So Absolutely. sometimes it's about asking questions and, and just taking suggestions of what could fall into your type of style. Wow. That's, it's very interesting because when you're talking, I just like, hmm, you used to own an antique store, Maria. <laughs> and I did. And I completely forgot it about eight, this was about 18 years ago. Wow. When I was married, we owned an antique store. And I actually still have some of the jewelry pieces from it. It's really, I, I'd I love to see them. Out. So we'll have to have a chat after. Let's, yes, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to pull those out again. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is amazing. Thank you for that lesson in history, a lesson in jewelry. <laughs> I love it. And a lesson in about living life on your terms and living with joy, doing something that brings you absolute joy. Yes. Mixing the two together. So I have a few questions for you. Yeah. I love, um, just get, gives a, uh, my audience a little bit a uh, chance to get to know you a little bit and lighten things up a bit. So the first question I normally ask is about a mindset shift because I, I often deal with people that are, have left like a corporate career or something like that. You've never had to leave that. Right. You that you have, there is a certain mindset to being an entrepreneur. Yes. You sort of wrap around. Is there any one 
something that you can think of that you'd like to say on that? Yeah, I think a major mindset shift um, for my jewelry business was that when I first started, I was looking at what the competition was doing and I was seeing what was selling for other people. And I really kind of tried to like take my cues from what was working for others. And that really didn't work for me. So it's something that everyone tells you to. And sometimes you just have to make those mistakes yourself and be like, oh, that's what they meant. Yes, that makes perfect sense. But um, essentially what I learned is that my clients are paying for my taste. So they could be the same clients who are going to me for one thing yeah. and going to, you know, one of my colleagues in the estate fine jewelry sphere yeah. for something else, but they're coming to us both for different reasons because yeah. they essentially, they want a piece of you. They like the way you present yourself in this one specific area. So, um, for me, that was a major thing. I had all these like pieces of inventory and I was like, well, this is selling so well for someone else. Like why, why can't I sell these specific kinds of things? And then I realized like, so it's not really that. my taste. It's not me. So um, now I don't try and be something for everyone. I just, this is me. This is my yeah. style. This is why you're here. Love it. I love it. That yeah. is good too though. Absolutely. Um, do you have any best advice you've ever received that you'd like to share? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we, this, this comes from the opera world too. You're going to get tons and tons of advice from people. Um, and you really have to screen what advice you take and whose opinion you listen to because everyone has an opinion and, um, especially as an artist, it can be yeah. so confusing. Totally. You could go, you could go to an audition <laughs> and this happened once I went to an audition in Germany and it was like a panel. So there were like 10 people and you get all the feedback afterwards. And, um, the Germans are very straightforward. They totally. tell you exactly what they yeah. think. That's Americans true. don't yeah. do that as much. So you might never know what someone thinks of you in an, in an American audition, but the Germans are very honest about what they think. Which is good. And, which is good. Yeah. Sometimes okay. it's good to know. Sometimes <laughs> in the moment you don't want to know, but it's yes. good to know. So, um, so I did this audition, all nine or 10 people were in the same audition. I sang the same thing for everyone. And I got so many vastly, vastly oh, no. different opinions. Some people were like, you should always start with this aria. Some people were like, never sing this aria again. <laughs> Some people were like, oh my gosh, like your voice is great in this rep. Some people were like, I never want to hear your voice in this rep. You know, like it was wow. the same audition and everyone had such different opinions and it really like highlighted the fact that you have your team and you value your team and you listen to their opinion. Um, because if you, again, if you try and be, if you try and be what everyone wants, everything to everybody, you can't. everything to everyone, you can't, you, no. you will have nothing authentic to give. Absolutely. And it is so, about authenticity yeah. and for everything in life. Some people, even in people, some people will like you and some people won't. Yeah. That's okay. You don't have to right. like everybody in the entire world or have them all like you. you right. Right. Um, 
Do you have a favorite quote? I love quotes. Yeah. Um, one that I really love, it's a Jewish proverb and it goes like, um, what soap is to the body, laughter is to the soul. Oh. So laughter will like replenish, clear yeah. out your soul. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, so yeah, I think that's really important, especially like in this like pandemic world. Yeah. Um, laughter, laughter is what keeps, what so keeps us going in our lives right now. Yes. And as always, I love books and I am a serious, like serious book lover. You can't, this is not open behind me. Mm -hmm. but, like I have. <laughs> so do you have a favorite book that you're reading right now? Um, it's a fascinating book. Um, and it's like changing the way I see everything, but it's not like an enjoyable book. I'm reading Profit First. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> and so I know that book. Yes. And the way I did it was I like, I just read the book through the first time just to like absorb it. And now I'm going back and like, I marked the pages, like go back and review this. And now I'm doing my second reading and like trying to absorb it all. And, um, it's fascinating and it oh, yeah. is like just changing so much about the way I'm structuring my business and the way I'm thinking about, you know, growing and building my business. So yeah. I'm loving that book, and but also, yeah, yeah. Putting that process in allows you to be able to build your business in a very healthy way. Yes. Yes. I think healthy is like, is the key word yeah. that, you know, the first time I read it, I was like, what do all of these words mean? <laughs> like For, what? Yeah, it's just what I live, right? <laughs> yes. But now the second time after some Googling, I'm like, oh, this makes so <laughs> much sense. I yes. love it. I love it. <clears throat> So that is it for our question period. I'd love to thank you for joining us today. And but we have Thanks one thing. We need to know where we can find you. Where can people yes. So um, I am always on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Songbird Sarah Jewelry, and uh, Sarah has no H. So okay. at Songbird Sarah Jewelry, and then my website is songbirdsarahantiquejewelry.com. And um, on both places, you can contact me either in my DMs or um, write me an email through the website. And um, also sign up for my newsletter through my website because I send out um, first looks and first dibs oh, to- that. That's a great way yeah, to newsletter. Yeah, to my okay. newsletter. So they get to see everything first before it's like visible on the website, before it goes to social media. Great way of doing that. That is yeah. Awesome. That is awesome. I love this. And for my audience, those all that information will be in the show notes, so you'll be able to catch it there. So thank you so much, Sarah, for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs> do this format. I love doing interviews, and I love connecting with people. And you know, now that I've pivoted this a little bit, I'm it's a whole new experience, which is great. Yeah. So thank you again, and we will see everybody next week. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.